Hey there, it's producer Scott, and this is the Neutral Cider Hotel podcast. Now, my second stop through the English countryside brings me to Herefordshire, and specifically Little Pomona, where I sat down with James and Susanna Forbes to talk about their cider business. We get into the things they've been working on for the past year, some of the new stuff they're working on this year and looking into the future. We also talk about some experimentation that they've been trying, including some new products outside the cider category. And of course, soon after I recorded this conversation, they announced a new product that they want to launch, which is vinegar. And, you know, good on them, man. I I tell you, when a company is smart enough to sit there and look at their core business and say, let's see what we can do to try and think a little bit outside that box and diversify our offering, that is a recipe for success. So I'm really excited for them. And I really had a good time with them. They showed me their operation. They showed me their orchards. They taught me about apples And uh, man, I appreciated everything. They're just such wonderful people. And the juice they make is absolutely delicious. So if you ever get your chance to get your hands on some of Little Pomona's ciders, I highly recommend you do it. Now, I know in the States, it's a little bit harder to get than those in the UK. So for those of you, I did reference a website in this interview. I said Ancho, but I didn't really give the URL. So let me do that now. Their website is ancho a-n-x-o dc.com when you get to that website look for the imports button and then you'll see a lot of great uk ciders including little pomona oliver cider and ross on y so there you go one little bit of news i want to get in on this episode as well because it happened pretty recently is that there is a kind of legendary cider maker here in the states named rev nat we had him on the podcast And he announced recently that after 12 years of doing cider, he is calling it quits, which is kind of devastating, I think, to the space, especially the American cider space, because he's such an inspiration. He's willing to get out there and experiment and make new things and try different things. And I think a lot of people really appreciated his ambition. So he will be missed. And if you want to try and purchase some of his cider before it's gone, go to RevNats.com. That's R-E-V-N-A-T-S dot com. Okay, that's enough of me yammering. Let's get to this episode. Here it is, James and Susanna from Little Pomona on the Neutral Cider Hotel podcast. Special check-in episode. Hey there, it's producer Scott. I'm here in the countryside of England, Herefordshire to be specific, out here for Gabe's wedding celebration. And while I was out here, I had a little extra time, thought I would swing by and see cider being made and some of our favorite cider makers. And uh, I'm sitting down now with uh, one of our absolute favorites, a friend of the pod. They've been on multiple times. I'm here at Little Pomona with James and Susanna. How are you guys doing today? Doing really well, Scott. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's lovely to see you here. And hello to everyone out there. Lovely to see you as well. You've been so hospitable and uh, I've, I've enjoyed my time here so far. 
And I just thought it would be nice to catch up since the podcast has been on a little bit of a hiatus or maybe a, a, a lot of a hiatus uh, and see how things are going. So first question is kind of a check-in. We were, I think we went on hiatus about 14, 15 months ago now. So uh, what's been going on uh, with Little Pomona in the last year, year and a half? Gee, Scott, I can barely remember what happened last week, alone <laughs> a year ago. Um, but no, we've been super, super busy. Um, we've been kind of growing in terms of our production. Um, so that leaves us less days of each year to, 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 uh, to not be working. So we're working hard. Um, but we've got some amazing ciders in the, in the tanks and in the barrels and in the bottles. Uh, so we're really pleased. It's been a really fun time, really exciting time um, uh, making cider with the brilliant fruit we've been able to source. Each year we managed to work with some more fun orchardists. And last year we did a really fun project with seven different orchards, but it was all Dabinet. So James and Lawrence, our cider maker, they fermented it all the same way and then we got everyone together the orchardists and a few key cider makers and we tasted them all next to each other just to see what terroir is doing so there's fun projects like that and actually you come at a really interesting time because we're just starting to firm up our discussions for this year's harvests the first fruit in is already here the cherries but next there might be oh who knows i think we're talking about damsons coming in even though they'll be a bit later and we're now really trying to look for discovery for our next Disco Nouveau and the Perry Pears, I guess, as well. That's very exciting. And uh, I've had a taste of quite a few since I can't. It's harder to get in the States. Not impossible, but it's harder. And especially on the West Coast, I have I've only had one or two that you've been kind enough to send me. So uh, I've been so delighted in pretty much everything I've had here, which is amazing, probably I, I would say the one we had last night might be the best cider I've ever had. <laughs> so I love it. Um, but uh, one of the things I think I've learned here, um, spending a little bit of time with you is, and talking to other cider makers is uh, everyone has their own kind of style, their own niche. And I, I think it's important because I don't know if this ever came through in the podcast. Um, how you guys are different, right? Like a lot of people say, oh, we love Oliver's. Oh, we love Ross on White. Oh, we love Little Pomona. But I, now that I have been here, I've seen what you do, we've kind of gone through it and we've talked a lot about your process. I would love it if you would talk a little bit about what you think sets Little Pomona apart from the other ciders that are out there. I think um, the main thing, and we, we talked about it a little earlier on, is like we, although we've grown um, the business we've refused to compromise um, and we haven't fallen into any sort of recipe cider making. So we're still completely led by the fruit and our intuition and our imagination. And um, we'd be really very resistant to do anything other than just follow what's happening with the fruit and try and move it to a kind of nice, delicious conclusion. Um, so I think that's um, and I'm, like I, I completely get as you grow things get more difficult and you try and streamline things. I completely get that, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it's just not in particularly my psyche to do that. Like if if um, 
we can do things in a difficult way, we'll probably choose that path rather than taking the easy path, which is from a business point of view, from a point of view of making money is insane. It just is not a very good way of doing business. So I completely get all the other ways of making cider because ultimately people need to make money and pay the bills. Um, and we just take a we we just we just take a very difficult path sometimes to to to, to, to achieve that. And um, and uh, yeah, and we're um, we've been growing, um, but you reach a point where when you're in a production business, um, the tendency is to go well. We'll just make more each year, and we'll sell more, and we'll make more money, and that. Again, commercially, that makes sense. Um, but we've begun to question that. And so this year, we've begun to embark on a few other projects, which rather than just relentlessly making more and more stuff, um, or more and more volume of stuff, we can make actually um, branch out a bit and make some different products as well. Which will, so that's the kind of path I think we're going to take, at least, for, at least in the you know, next couple of years. Yeah. The only thing I'd add is that James's philosophy is always as little intervention as possible. So it's about letting the fruit sing. And it's about if there are different components and we do use fruit other than apples and pears, they'll be locally, uh, locally grown fruits. But again, you're going to be able to taste the apple and the pear. And then the other thing that probably sets us apart is our complete obsession with matching everything with food and believing that it's so enjoyable to share this to share these bottles but also to have them on the dinner table at any time so uh, you'll often find us when you come to visit us at our tasting room perhaps trying out a match with a cheese or thinking it through anyway so it's a really fun time and we're so excited to be carrying on on this path and I, I think that's a you you've articulated a pretty pretty well. Um, and then I mean, what I noticed, and again, I have been to a lot of cideries, but just the the ones I have, and, and talking to you was just, I feel like you're almost a mad scientist in a weird sort of way, where as opposed to just like you're as opposed to a producer who says I'm going to harvest these apples, I'm going to squeeze and get the juice, I'm going to bottle them, and I'm going to put them out to market. You're constantly thinking of blends you're constantly uh tweaking the maturation of the juice you're constantly doing slightly different things to always it always feels like it's new and fresh and interesting as opposed to someone who just makes something that everybody loves and then they just keep making that forever we, we definitely don't do that we make nothing that people love <laughs> and, then, and then if you like it a little bit we never make it again <laughs> Uh, and it's not kind of deliberate. I mean, like we're definitely not scientists. I mean, we we use very little science. I mean, we measure sugars, we measure pH, but nothing else really. So everything is more about our um, intuition and our imagination. Um, you said we minimum intervention, and that's true. But we mean minimum intervention with chemicals and machines. But we intervene all the time with our with our minds and our hearts, um, and that. Um, that for me keeps things fresh and like there's so much you can do with just fruit without, without the need for adding anything else. And, and we continue to kind of explore all of those options and we take influences from the wine world and from the spirits world and from the beer world. And we try and bring them into our cider making as well. And I think that that is also an interesting perspective, which is you were in wine for quite a while. So you have, 
kind of a wine brain as you look at this stuff, which not a lot of cider makers have, not that they don't understand wine, but you just have a completely unique perspective in the sense that you understand the subtleties of wine and how they can get a lot of different things. And then you can kind of take that uh, vision and apply it to the apple and have something similar. So the end of this is we've all decided cider is wine. <laughs> okay. Uh, the guys are going to kill me for saying that. So I'll take it back now, <laughs> but yeah, I did. You're right. I said, <laughs> so, uh, one, one of the things I want to talk about is just, uh, you were, we were talking about, you have a lot of new, you know, new products come out all the time. It's, it's always changing. So, you know, what are some of the new things that came out this year that people will be excited to try and maybe talk a little bit about them? Like what kind of things they might be looking for? Um, yeah, we've been re- releasing lots of new, well, I think kind of things that are unique possibly in the world, definitely first for us. So, you know, um, we've been expanding our champagne method program. So this year we've released the first Rosé Perry in the world. I think we're certainly the first Rosé Champagne Method Perry. We're about to release a Champagne Method Perry, uh, like a, a non-Rosé one, which is the first for us. Um, still Perry, we've worked with cherries. I mean, we're just doing all sorts of things. I mean, um, so it's been, I think it's, we've been blessed with this amazing fruit from 2021 and 2022, and that's given us all these possibilities. Um, and we kind of lucked out that we decided to expand just as you have a couple of great vintages. So we can do all these things. We have, we have the space in which to do it as well. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, and we have more to come. And of course, you'll be announcing those first and foremost on the Neutral Cider Hotel. Pretty much exclusively to the Neutral Cider Hotel um, because, <laughs> because um, we got so busy with just the, the business of the, the act of making cider and the business of making cider that um, we kind of we kind of don't do as much promotion of the new stuff. It gets kind of released and it goes out there, but we've we've lost the kind of hoo ha about it that we used to do. And we kind of probably need to get back to that. So if the Neutral Cider Hotel would like to take over that role, then I'm very, we're very, very happy with that. Yeah, that'd be great. Unpaid, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know. That's the way it is. Yeah, you were talking about some of the fun ones that we've really enjoyed. We, we have been working a fair bit over the years with Egremont Russet as well. So Wading In was one of the ones that we tried last night. And this is the second iteration of Wading In. But... Uh, just the flavors and the intrigue and the, I don't know, the, the mouthfeel of this. It's, uh, it's just, it's enjoyable on its own or it's, it's great with food. James, what do you think about wading in that's made it quite special, the latest vintage? I don't know. I think it's just, it's just a really beautiful expression of the apple variety. And it's, it's an amazing eating apple, but with this incredible depth of flavor, this perfume, this fruit. There's um, kind of herbal quality. And all of that comes through fermentation, which is really rare. Like most, you know, juice doesn't taste the same at the beginning as it does at the end. But a lot of the characteristics of that raw fruit um, translates into the into the final cider. And Egremont Russet loves barrels, and we put it into some really nice barrels, and it picks up all the best influences of the barrel, um, but retains its own personality. So it kind of you get this lovely tension in the liquid that um that is really it's just fascinating every mouthful changes and it's like it's a pleasure to drink okay i want to make sure i at least shout out the one that uh i mean again i've loved every single one i've had but that uh, that cherry one that we had last night was just like stunning so uh what is the name of that one again 
So that's called Tiboldi Go, Who Mourns for Grapes. So it's Tiboldi Go is a Star Trek thing, as most people will know. Um, and we used to do a thing called Do It Puritan, which is this more experimental range of, of ciders and perries. Um, we're kind of moving it towards Tiboldi Go. And it's, it's about you know taking steps into fermentation, which other people maybe haven't done before. This one was uh, uh, is a blend of three different fruits, so apples, uh, sour cherries, and a mixed bag of peri pears. The apple variety was Discovery. And it sort of started life in July, uh, a year or so ago, um, with a carbonic maceration of the sour cherries, which is a technique borrowed from wine. Uh, we then pressed it with Discovery apples. We later blended it with peri pears and then sent it to bottle as a kind of pet nap, but we did it with quite a lot of sugar because we knew it would throw a lot of sediment. So we wanted high pressure in the bottle so that we could then disgorge it and get a nice clear, this kind of ruby colored liquid that we ended up with. So it was a kind of pure idea in my head about how these flavors might interplay. Um, and I think it's been really successful. It tastes really, really good. <laughs> it's a smasher for sure. No question. Uh, okay, we'll we'll wrap this up here with one last question, which is, if you said you've got some new products, which I know you're excited for, but in general, the cider scene and things that are happening for you guys, what's your outlook, say, in the next year? What what are you excited about uh, for the future of cider here in the next year or so? Oh, that's a really, really fun question. I think there are more producers being really ambitious, and that's the fun stuff. They're gaining confidence. So... They might go for a traditional method, cider or perry, whereas before they might have played safe. So overall, uh, I think we're going to see more exciting things appearing. And I think we're hoping that the, the government change and giving a small producer discount will encourage the smaller producers to look to the future. And as more people come in, the whole craft scene, we want it to continue blossoming. So we're looking forward to working with everyone, sharing our ciders further. And you never know, hopefully getting to the States as well. That would be really fun, wouldn't it, James? Well, for, for those that are interested in Little Pomona in the States, there is, there is an outlet, and uh, it's Ancho. They have a little online store. If you go to their website, you can find uh, some stuff there, and it's... It's definitely a great place to start because, like I said, you guys have, without question, some of my favorite ciders out there. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you.